feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. You're listening to Out of Oz, a podcast from Building 28 Church. Welcome back to Out of Oz, a Building 28 Church podcast where we confront the fantasies and fallacies of modern day Christianity with compassion, conviction, and courage. I'm your host, Peter Tragos. I forgot who this guy is. Uh, I'm also your host, the pastor of Building 28, Aaron Curran. I was holding my breath there during that intro. Man, it was and I need, I need to make sure you had conviction in there because look, we are living in a day more than any other that I remember um, where people are so convinced of what they believe. And I would argue with, at times, with very little reason for Too their much conviction. conviction. Yeah, like so much conviction around things. But that's just my argument. Joining us on the podcast today, one of my favorite human beings, a couple of my favorite human beings, okay, a couple. Um, first, and true. <laughs> yeah. First, we have uh, one of our leaders here at Building 28. And a uh, how long have you been in law enforcement? 26 years. 26 years in law enforcement. Um, Mike Trill, pleasure to have you on the podcast today, Bo. It's a pleasure to be here, Bo. <laughs> I don't know. I was trying to say bro and, and bud at the same time. This is a train wreck. This is going to be a <laughs> yeah, train wreck. I mean, let's just get to it. All right. And all, we also have another one of my buddies, a, uh, a gun toting. Uh, conservative right-wing specialist, Jacob Berconti. <laughs> wow. If you didn't announce him too. like that, you'd figure it out anyway, so it's fine. A true patriot. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway. Political buff. Anyway, we, we had to talk about some real convictions today on the podcast. So. so it's January 7th, and the antics that happened last night in D.C. lead us into this topic that's been planned for a few months, and that is how Christians can or should they support Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, a Democratic Congress, and the Democratic leaders that were elected in the 2020 elections. Should Christians even support that? What should that look like if we think the answer to that is yes? Sure. So to start the discussion, I think we should start out by talking about why um, so so many evangelicals had an issue with voting for Kamala Harris, for Joe Biden. Um, what, What was the major evangelical issue? I don't think it's any surprise that that evangelicals usually lean right. So what were some of the issues in the church and that some of these leaders were talking about um, with the Democratic ticket? Well, I think for Christians and evangelicals, um, one of the main problems, if you look at the Democratic platform for 2020, uh, one of the things that sticks out, obviously, is abortion. Uh, There is no getting around that. Uh, For Christians, uh, you can try to excuse, you can try to make justification for it, but I think that's pretty plain and simple. So abortion would be the huge one, uh, I think, for most evangelicals. Another one is the uh, concept of uh, gender and the definitions of gender and what God has uh, made and what man says is okay. Those two, biblically. Now, there's other things, for instance, on some social ideas that aren't necessarily backed up with the Bible specific scripture, what I'm talking about, uh, those two absolutely would be backed up with scriptural uh, scripture and biblical concepts. Uh, there's some other things that, again, for me in law enforcement, I would have issue with some of their uh, description of law enforcement. If you read it, 
Uh, it's written basically to talk about how afraid people are of the police. Again, well, we talked about it before, I think, on the last podcast when we talked about police, but the Black Lives Matter. Uh, they put that in there a couple of times and then put how people should be, have to have a talk because they're afraid of the police that are supposed to protect them. And just the, even the way it's written, I would have issue with that. Not necessarily biblically, but from my profession and, and how I how I was raised, how I live. Um, and like a side note on that, for me personally, is an issue when when you say, well, the Democratic platform stands for Black Lives Matter as if cops don't believe that, when I will guarantee you that in my 25 years of experience, I've demonstrated that Black Lives Matter a lot more than a lot of politicians who have a lot of talk. When I go to a call and I'm putting myself between the suspect and the victim, and the victim is black, and whether the suspect's white or black, I'm protecting that life. And and it's it's it kind of unnerves me to listen to a politician who sits and doesn't have any real world experience talk about that. But that's just me personally, not as a Christian, not as an evangelical. Um, my issue would be those main two uh, with scripture. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I think those are some big ticket items that a lot of evangelicals would have an issue with. But I thought, I think at least in my circles that I speak with and, and discuss, um, it's not just the ticket. It's, it's, the, it's the body behind that ticket. Joe Biden, if you look at him, he's not very scary in of himself. But the people that he is putting in his cabinet now, the way that he is aligning himself with some very – I'll call them leftist ideas, um, I think was a big a big scare movement here as well. Uh, Kamala and Joe in the preliminaries were at each other's throats, and now they're supposed to work together. So I think there's, yes, those big ticket items that, as Trill pointed out, there's really no give on abortion. It's, it's, it is murder, right, of, of unborn. Um, you know, and then there's the preferential things, um, you know, economy, um, the military, et cetera, um, that typically conservatives and others would, would have a big problem with. Um, but I really think there's a lot of fear of not Joe himself, but the people that are in his circles. Um, that would be, that would be one of the big items that I think scared a lot of people from that ticket. Right. And I don't necessarily think that all evangelicals were not a monolith, right? Yeah. So that's a, that's a big buzzword, but I don't necessarily know if they all agree on the economy or the military or healthcare yeah. or things like that. Typically, um, if you're conservative, uh, typically, unless you're in the libertarian camp, if you're conservative on moral things, you're conservative fiscally and, and everything else. And I think that's part of the issue is that, but th there's a there's a bigger issue than like, than it's just a First Amendment or Second Amendment or Fourth Amendment rights that might be compromised. It's how those rights actually protect religious liberty. Mm -hmm. um, the cancel culture when it comes to the First Amendment. Like that was a big thing for a lot of Christians mm -hmm. is we've seen that over the last couple of years here, how much under a progressive democratic leadership is that going to continue? Is that going to be escalated? That's a, that's a fear to Jacob's point. There's, there's legitimate, I think there's legitimate fears here. Um, when you talk about Second Amendment rights, the right to bear arms, like when you read the constitution, it's not just uh, the right to protect yourself in your home, but the right to protect yourself from government. It seems to be in, easily interpreted that way. Um, when you talk about the Fourth Amendment of the search and seizure and when different different governors and, and leaders are saying, we'll enter into your home if you do X, um, those, it seems to, to many conservatives um, that the rights are being trampled on and that affects us personally and it respect, uh, affects us religiously. Um, for me, once again, and, and we're going to sound like an echo chamber maybe on this, but 
there's no way I've said it from the pulpit. I've said it in conversations. I have progressive friends. I know you don't have any of those, Jacob, um, but I'm joking with you. Wow. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm I have very pro- <laughs> uh, simple-minded here. I, uh, I have progressive friends. And so I've heard the arguments around how they should cast a vote for Christians who are progressive, who would say well, they can cast a vote for Biden and Harris ticket. Um, and I love them. And I would strongly disagree with that. Like I, I could never back. Uh, I've compared abortion to the child sacrifices of the Amorites in the Old Testament, and I'll continue to do that. And it bothers people when I do that, but they sacrifice their children in the Old Testament for convenience and comfort more than anything else. And that is exactly what is happening today. Um, the, most a, fr- a fraction, less than two percent of the abortions are involve incest or rape. And yet so often Christians will use that metric or that Democrats uh, statistically maybe are responsible for less abortions when they're in office than Republicans are. It doesn't matter. It's what you stand for. When someone stands for and promotes the massacre of the innocents, it says a lot about the character of the individual and what they're going to fight for and what they're going to fight against. And I think that is the biggest pressing point, as we've all acknowledged, as to why so many evangelicals could not maybe they didn't really back Trump. I wasn't a, a Trump thumper, but they could not back Biden or Harris. And part of that, there's two things that stuck out to that. There, there are concerns also about uh, religious stances by either churches or businesses yeah. that there's pretty well known that they want to get rid of or religious freedom. Or, right. I think religious freedom and abortion are the two most biblical issues that people have with. The Democratic Party, right? right? So, yeah. so what Christians are—I don't know if you want to say afraid of, or wary of, or want to protect—it's unborn lives and religious freedom, right? There are other things couched in. There are other things that people think are important. You know, whether it be dealing with the military, with law enforcement, with economics, with big government, yeah. small government, second Second Amendment. But I think when we when we really comb it down, the the most important things that we can actually draw directly back to the Bible without much argument are, you know, the the rights of the unborn, the lives of the unborn, and religious freedom. But there are a lot of reasons that Christians, leaders, evangelicals, members of our church had issues with Trump and didn't want to vote for Trump. So what were some of the legitimate issues people had with voting for Trump, even in the church, even Christian brothers and sisters that we had? Were there legitimate issues? I'm joking. Do you want, I'm do you joking. want me to take this question? No, no, no. no. Well, I could go for days I, on I'm this joking, one, I'm joking, but I'm asking that because I, I know a lot of Christians who would say there weren't legitimate reasons. And I don't know, maybe the Jacob or Mike is one of those, but uh, Trill, you, like, you think I'm one of those? You didn't think I was one of them? I, I know you're not because we've talked about this, but Trill, what are your thoughts? Were there legitimate reasons for not voting, casting a vote for Trump? I would. Well, do I believe that a person would be okay not to cast a vote for Trump? Yes. Sure. Um, let me get one thing back to what you were talking about, the platform. The platform is the platform. It's what you stand on. Yeah. And so any any candidate, no matter if he's a super sweet guy or not, is aligning himself to this platform. Yeah. And that was my issue. Um, but here's the thing, for those that know me. Trump had his good and bad. I didn't like a lot of things and how he conducted himself. He was a marred man. And here's going back to this. No matter what candidate you're going to vote for, you're going to vote for a sinful man, period. Yeah. Um, and that's why our allegiance isn't and shouldn't be to a party. It shouldn't even be to the country, our, our severe allegiance. It should be to God. So you're going to have nice guys that run for office. Again, I'm not saying Joe Biden is. Joe Biden might be a super nice guy, but he stands on this platform. Trump may be a nice guy or might be a a jerk, whatever someone feels, and he's standing on this platform. So I would have, 
I would understand people voting for him, even though he was abrasive, he was narcissistic. Those aren't biblical um, qualities. qualities that we look for. Yeah. Um, he was morally has issues, uh, but we all also More morally all have. inept. I think is a is is a problem. But it's, I mean, but it's the on. policies okay. under the platform okay. that you're right. that you would say you're voting for. That, that someone would Let's vote just for him. say yes. Trump. Trump's personal characteristics are not what you look for in a leader. They're not what you look for in a president, according to me. Okay, sure. just, right. just giving you my opinion and what I've talked to lots of people and some of the issues they had, whether it's Christian leaders or other Christians I talked to, the problems they had with Trump. He is not doesn't have the character of a leader you would want. Some people would disagree, think he's an alpha, he gets stuff done, and they think sure. that's all that matters. But the way that he does it, I think, matters as well. I definitely think he's narcissistic. I think he's selfish. I think he's willing to break the law. I think that he is willing to do anything he can and step on anybody to get what he wants. And what's most important to Trump is Trump. That's what I think, okay? And I can understand why people can't get past voting for him, right? It's a bedside manner. Sure. I, I think it's more than a bedside manner because a bedside manner, the doctor fixes you and has a bad bedside manner. I don't think that's Trump's goal is to fix us. Okay, I don't. That's just my that's sure. just my opinion. I'm not saying that there weren't good results during his presidency. I'm not saying he didn't put good people in place or appoint good Supreme Court justices. I'm not saying any of that. But Trump's end goal was Trump and to glorify Trump, right? And I think sure. we saw that last night. We've seen that throughout as he continues to tell his followers that they're going to win still and that they're going to try to steal this election, but he's not going to let them. All that stuff is just leading people down a path Leading them astray, you know, right. leading them down to bad. So, path. do you agree, Jacob? Well, I mean, if Trump was a member of Building Twenty Eight, he would not be appointed a deacon um, or an elder never, by any means. You never know. I'm um, joking. I'm joking. <laughs> Why do you look at me? You know. So, I think those <laughs> those those leadership qualities that are defined in, yeah. in Timothy and, and other books of the Bible, he's definitely not that. He is not what we're looking for in a biblical leader. He's not a servant leader. Let me ask you a question. Do you think? I, I understand your your thought about Trump, and I'm not disagreeing with you. Do you think that the Democratic platform candidates care, or do you think they're all about themselves? I think the, especially Joe Biden, is a system guy who just made money off being a politician his entire life. Will will flip flop any way he can to get votes, and has flip flopped on all the important issues that both sides think are really important, and some. Some on the left love him for now. He was in exact opposition 20, 30, 40 years ago. Okay. I, I'm not I'm not sitting here saying Joe Biden's a perfect guy or a perfect candidate at all. I just my bigger issue right now, and what I always feel like I have to fight for is what's right and what's affecting the church more. And to me, what's affecting the church more than what kind of guy is Joe Biden or how good of a politician is Joe Biden is we need to stop worshiping Trump. We need to stop yes. following Trump. We need to start stop acting like if Trump loses, we still have a chance. There's still a chance he's going to win. Like we put all our hopes and dreams in that. That's the bigger issue dealing with the church right now, which is why we're doing this podcast. Yeah. And to get now down to the crux of the discussion, Biden's going to become president in and a I, few days. I just want to speak really quick okay. just because Trill and Jacob did, but like that has been the most uh, of everything that happened in 2020. The most disheartening thing is seeing people who claim allegiance to Jesus, where it's clear and obvious that their allegiance to Trump far surpasses their allegiance to Jesus. Like that, that is the worship. The adder they would say all of them. Anybody listening would say who's a Christian. I think would say I don't. It is it is sickening, and um, 
that is problematic. I'm not arguing that he didn't do good, some good things like the Supreme Court justices, um, other justices that he put in place. But to me, the worship um, was was troubling. I would say that, yes, legitimately, a Christian could have been led personally in their conscience not to vote for Trump, clearly. I would say with everything you said, and I actually agree with you about his character, about um, he's, he's, look, he's not a Christian, neither is Joe Biden, from their confession. I'm not talking about even their character. From what they confess, if you don't say that you're a sinner in need of repentance, you're not a Christian, like biblically, period. Um, but all that aside, I don't think there was a biblical reason why a Christian couldn't have voted for Trump. Conscience-wise, yes, but as far as a universal mandate of I, Christians should not vote for Trump, I don't think that that stood. And I think it's, it's important that we make that distinction. I don't think it's, I think Peter could say, I, in my conscience, I couldn't, with a clear conscience, vote for Trump. I don't think legitimately that Peter could stand up and say, you're all in sin if you vote for Trump. I don't think that argument stands. And I, I just want to make sure we reiterate, God does not take sides with political parties. He takes yeah. sides only with himself. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so when you're voting, you should vote your conscience as to who aligns more with God because he doesn't he doesn't choose. I like Republicans better than he hates sin. Yeah. He provided salvation to Republicans and Democrats, but he ultimately sides with himself. So so in a few days when when Biden officially becomes president and the new era starts, Jacob, I'll start with you. How should Christians, whether they voted for Trump, whether they didn't vote at all, or you know, didn't vote for Biden, how should they Act? How should they react? What should be our actions as Americans, as citizens? Should we support him? What would that look like? I don't think as a Christian, as a, as a self-proclaiming Christian, you have much of a choice. Re open up your Bibles, go to Romans 13, 1, right? You don't have much choice. And I think Paul, led by the Holy Spirit, was extremely explicitly clear in this verse. Submit to authorities. It doesn't mean submit to authorities that were fairly elected. So if you believe that the election was stolen, like Trump touts, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that the authorities are maybe not godly. 13.1 was written during Nero's reign, which was all he about- He was a Republican, I think. Yeah, I think right? so. Yeah. yeah, Paul, for sure. Um, or a libertarian, <laughs> we don't really know. It's not, uh, I think it's Hezekiah. Hezekiah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it's written very clearly. There is no authority under heaven that is not ordained by God. All right. God's sovereign. He's got a perfect plan. And I have said this before he was elected. If Joe Biden, well, now he is elected, a president, didn't surprise God. It is God's perfect plan that he is the president right now. God uses sinful man, as we decided before, to carry out his purposes, because he has to use sinful man other than Christ was the only not sinful man. So he has to use sinful man on the earth because we are sinful. Um, we're called to render uh, to Caesar what's Caesar's. Uh, there's scripture as well. I have some, 1 Timothy 2, 1 to 2. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all in authority, that we may be live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. We're called to pray. We're called to make petitions, intercession, and, intercession, and thanksgiving when Joe Biden's president. That's what we're called to do as Christians. We're called to submit. We're called to pray. Uh, proper respect, uh, show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of the believers. Fear God and honor the emperor, 1 Peter 2.17. We're called to give honor where honor is due. Now, we don't have to like 
uh, what he stands for. We don't have to like what he does, who he is, his character, but we are to honor the position. We are to pray for him and we are to submit. Now we submit as long as it doesn't go against uh, yeah. biblical principles where we obey God rather than man if it's indirect violation, but that is our call to do. Right. Um, the other thing with this is, and people are like, oh my gosh, it's the end of the world, right? We're going, and you, you kind of address that <laughs> yeah. in your blog about the end times eschatology. Here's the thing. God has always used bad times, persecution. So if you say it's going to come after the church, God has always used persecution in the church to refine the church. And I, I, if we have harder times as Christians, you'll see a separation of those that claim to be Christians right. and those that really follow Christ. So it refines the church. And number two, through history, it spreads the gospel. When Christians were persecuted, the gospel blew up, more people being saved. So as a Christian, yes, it's a it could be a dark time for man, right? It's dark time for Americans because this guy's going to do this, this, and this. But number one, God is sovereign. And if it does get bad, that's probably better for his church and better for the gospel rolling out and better for people uh, believing on Christ as their Lord and Savior. So that's a positive. That's yeah, I, I think the, the the reality is is that when the church, and who knows it's not happening or not, I, I don't buy into much of what is said in on both far sides of this political um, realm that we're in. But like, let's say that it does get tougher on the church. Not only will the church grow and flourish through that, but it will actually help to define Christianity again. Christianity has become incredibly muddied in the last, I mean, you could argue in the last few decades, but especially in the last four years, because the Trump brand of Christianity is not legitimate biblical Christianity. It's just not. The wolf in um, sheep's clothing. And, and so touting this, and I've heard a lot of my more progressive friends say, like you, the evangelicals are just blindly following this guy. He's dangling treats in front of them. And there might be some legitimacy to that, that, that we're running after policies that he himself doesn't believe that maybe he'll put in place. Um, but I think that, that under Biden Christianity, I, I firmly believe will become more clear, like what Christianity is versus what Christianity is not than it has been potentially in the last three and a half, four years. And we've been more concerned, not we, everybody, but a section of Christians have been more concerned about the opposition attacking our candidate than the word of God being attacked and the deity of Christ being attacked and uh, what we're called to do being attacked. We've, as Christians, again, quote unquote, in America, have been more concerned with party affiliation than affiliation with Christ, and that's an issue. Yeah, identity politics, I think, is one of the biggest cancers of our time. Um, if you don't completely agree with everything my party aligns with, I can't even be friends with you. Um, as Aaron joked earlier, I don't have any progressive friends. It, it, it is hard. It is hard to have these conversations. Um, but what do we have? What's the alternative? But it's the, become, the mob in D.C. That's the alternative. Right? Yeah, that's but it's, not a that's not a viable option. It's become way too accepted by both sides and the leaders of both sides 100%. to cut off people that disagree with you. I mean, yeah. The the if you ever supported him, unfriend me. I never want to talk to you again. We we don't forget. We don't. It's like fine, whatever. Fine. If that if that's how you it it, it garners the response. Fine. Go yeah. ahead. And that's what it's become in the pol political sphere of friendships. It's just become so easy to cut off. And that is the troubling times. Like we need to not be like that as Christians. Yeah, as we I need, no matter what. No matter if they love abortion and think abortion is the best thing for women's health care. Like. 
still love them, still be friends with them, still continue to talk. If they think Joe Biden's going to be the best president of all time, fine. Like that's, that's okay. You can have disagreements like that with people you still love and care about and pray for and try. You can disagree with people and still love them. Right. I, and I, you, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, as I prepared this week, thinking through praying over researching for this podcast, I thought there are people, even friends who, and I don't, I don't, that's fine. Like everybody's entitled to their position, but they're so convinced that Trump is the right way that the election was stolen. Um, that I wondered if if doing this podcast and calling out Trump for who he is and not being a man of God would damage my friendship with them, to your point. Like, I, I, I've wondered that. Or It's like you're with us or against us. That's what everybody's starting to do. It's like, we're with Jesus. You should be too. My mom said it just like what Trill said. We're going to see who who is a Christian and who is not. She's right? a smart woman. <laughs> she agrees with me. She agrees. <laughs> and And you see that by the fruit, right? Like you'll know a tree by its fruit and the fruit of the spirit includes, which I always think is interesting, forbearance, right? Yeah. Which is tolerance, self-control. It has humility and patience built into it. Like in forbearance in the law is just forgiving debts that are rightfully owed. You know, just you're good. We should have that. Like tolerance, Christians hate that word tolerance. They think that it means, oh yeah, sin in the church and we, we bring sinners in and we're going to have, you know, this or that and the other that goes against. That's not what tolerance is. Tolerance is exactly what I just said. Tolerating the people that you love and the people that are around you. It does not mean agreeing with them. It doesn't mean not calling out their sin. It doesn't mean acting in sin. It doesn't mean sinning yourself. It just means that you need to realize there are going to be people that disagree with you. There are going to be sinners. You can't hold. That was my favorite thing from your blog post. You shouldn't hold. I think it was your blog post. It might have been something else I read. You shouldn't. You can't hold non-Christians to a Christian standard. Yeah. Is that your blog? Yeah. Yeah. You you really can't hold. Christians to are not don't expect to, righteousness from the you depraved. can't like, you miss you're miserable if you're a Christian and that's how you think and you think that this person should act like a Christian and they should be condemned for not acting like a Christian when they're not a Christian self-proclaimed like well, you said that's how we get the title of judgmental right exactly we, we judge that we should judge ourselves and our church and our church body and those who proclaim but the outside world they don't have any rules the rules are take out from number one and there is no other reason. And it's and me still, coming we, at you. If you're not a Christian, it's me coming at you. But we're Christians. It's the Bible. It's Jesus coming at you if I bring something to you. We still stand against. Yes. Like, like that's, that's sure. very that's, important. Like, like if, if somebody's outside of Jesus, we still say that's wrong. Right. But the expectation that they're going to do what's right is what I was getting after. Like, that this is ridiculous. This is ludicrous. Like, like that I'm expecting the unsaved, unregenerate, antichrist man or woman to behave like a Christian is just ridiculous, absurd. But standing against it also is not berating them yes, and treating absolutely. them like a You're piece of garbage. Yeah. That is not standing against And it goes sin. back to when we talk about the sovereignty of God. God being sovereign does not mean that we don't have a responsibility to act correctly and, and do things. And, we, right. and just like voting, well, exactly. God's in charge. I, I, right. You can still vote. Those are, are things. Um, and whether God is sovereign, but we still stand up for the truth. Yeah. We always, always are called to stand up for the truth. We can be tolerant and loving to other exactly. people, but we do call sin, sin. And that's pro a, a pro big problem with churches in America. They don't want to call sin, sin. Right. We still have that responsibility. We cannot be quote unquote judgmental, hmm. but we still give them the scripture where God calls us out and call them to repentance. Just like we would Christians, we, we would call the unsaved to repentance as well. Uh, so that's, you still understanding this, you still have a responsibility to, to speak the truth. Absolutely. Okay. So I, I want to, 
and uh, I'm very interested to hear this, and, and we can cut it out if it doesn't go well. But first, I want to camp really quick on the scripture you guys brought up, because Jacob mentioned Nero's Emperor in 60 to 62 AD, when Peter and Paul both right there, when Peter says in 1 Peter, I think it's 2-7, honor the emperor. You know how hard that would be? I mean, anybody who's listening doesn't know what Nero put the Christians through. I mean, he was lighting their children on fire to create torches for his garden. I mean, he was covering them in, in tar and pitch and, and lighting them as, as, uh, as torches for walkways. I mean, he's throwing them to, into the gladiatorial arenas. I mean, this is it, is it is barbaric treatment of Christians. And yet Peter would say, Peter's crucified upside down two years later under Nero, and he's saying, honor the emperor. And Paul's saying, obey those that, that have governing authority. And Paul's saying to Timothy, pray for those in positions of authority. And pretty much everyone in position of authority in Paul's day, both Jewish, Roman, Greek, whatever, is completely anti-Christ. So that needs to be canceled. Also, when Paul says, pray for, and some of my friends need to hear this, I think. Maybe we all need to hear it. When he says, pray for those in authority, he says, so that you can live peaceable and holy lives. And how much of that is going on today? None. Like, yeah. Like how uh, much peace and, and and holiness? I mean, we talk, I'm not talking about a, I'm not talking about a fraudulent peace of just right. like harmony and society. I'm talking about a true inner peace of, I don't submit to their policies. I speak out in truth against um, evil, but yet as not only as the, as the position, but as the person, I honor them. I pray for them. I just was talking to Sean right before this about, uh, prayer. And I said, if you look at the Christians, even in our church that have spoken out because they're very passionate about this, um, and Facebook posts and Instagram posts and talking with their neighbors and talking with anybody that'll listen, how many people, how much time do they spend doing that compared to how much they time they spend in prayer? Yeah. And I'll tell you right. Oh yeah. I pray for my leaders real quick at maybe over dinner and bless the president and pray for this mess right now. Cause something happened last night. And that's about all the praying they're doing. When we're called to continually pray, and we're called to pray for our leaders, and we're called to pray for, for God's will, that we would accept God's will to, for, for, for this to roll out, and we don't do it. And if we spent half the time praying that we do run on our gums to people or on social media, I think you'd see a lot different change. And again, with that peace, internal peace, and the internal holiness uh, rather than just running your mouth. The new Republican uh, translation, I think, says pray to your leaders. And for some of the, uh, so uh, no, the, so the question, though, seriously, the question I wanted to ask, because I've heard this, I'm a, I'm a historian. Revolutionary War is one of my favorite errors of history. It's when a group of men saw a governmental system, and particularly a sovereign, as a tyrant and rose up in rebellion against that. John MacArthur who I actually mentioned on the last podcast, but a theologian pastor from California says that they were in sin for doing that. The founding fathers were in sin for not submitting to, not Romans 13, 1, 1 Peter 2, 7, not submitting to the governing authorities. Briefly, would you agree? What would you say to somebody who's saying, we, this is actually the time to act because the founding fathers formed in the, in the, in the declaration 27 statements of the evil tyranny of King George. And that they justified their rebellion against him because of that. Now, I'll share my thoughts really briefly after you guys do, but would, would you guys agree that, okay, th what they did was wrong, even though we've benefited from this, or what they did was right, it was different, or what they did was right, and we should do the same? I would have to hear your case if you're going to start a revolution, Aaron. Okay. Um, and then base that on whether I can back it up biblically. 
Um, now, someone said that about what's going on yesterday. This is a revolution. Yeah. Well, a revolution isn't running into a place and just standing around, maybe breaking a couple things or taking some photo ops. Um, that's not a revolution. That wasn't a revolution. Uh, they weren't overthrowing anything. They were They were doing that during the revolution, but that's not what the, well, the founders the, necessarily were. were the founders thing. also were doing it with weapons and taking, sure. because just running into somewhere is not going to do something. For anybody listening who's who's parading this idea, talking with their friends about it, like this is a very different time. You cannot draw a straight line from now to the revolution. Um, it's a very different time. It's a very different framework, very different governmental system that we're dealing with. Um, I would encourage them to not only formulate an argument like Trill was saying and present that to intellectual people, not just radicals on either side, um, to, to thinking biblicists, but also to research historically like where revolutions ha have arisen. I would disagree with MacArthur. I think the revolution was not sinful. I think they had the right to do that. I would not draw a line and say that we are under the same governmental tyranny today, even though the abortion, the master of the innocence, is a compelling, potentially compelling argument. And we still fight that. But you notice in, since, since it passed, there's never been a revolution for that. If you're going to cite it now, I'd like to know why you didn't for the past. Uh, yeah. You know, it's because right. your candidate lost now. Right. If that's Absolutely. what you're citing. Is, you said make an argument, Trill. The, make the, a valid argument. The answer is there isn't one right now. There really isn't one right now, in my opinion. That's we're getting all of our opinions. Sure. My opinion, there isn't a valid argument right now for some revolution for us to overthrow Biden and Kamala. I, let me let me just say this: if you're going to once again, if anyone, and and this sounds so far fetched, but there are people who are going to do this. If you're going to make a biblical argument for why the government needs to be overthrown, you better make sure that it couldn't have also applied to the Trump era. Because I would argue that the same government, even though there's different policies and there's a different president in place, the, the, a lot of the corruption we see, to Trill's point, the abortion issue has right. been an issue for the last 40 years. Like, it's it hasn't gone away. It wasn't it wasn't absent the last four years, and now it's back. So make sure there's, once again, consistency. And I don't think that our listeners are going to, to spearhead a revolution, but there's going to be talk about this kind of stuff. There's going to be- no, It's and, already happened. Yeah, incensed argumentation and discussion around this. And it's very important that we're biblical and it's very, I would argue it's very important that we are submissive, humble and submissive and prayerful for a democratic house, Senate and presidency. It's important to notice the difference between a revolution and continuing to fight for those things that we hold dear, right? Like you mentioned folks on the family last time, Jim Daly, Focus on the Family, one of their big things is abortion. They yep. spend tons of money, resources. They have people in Washington. They have people all over fighting and bringing awareness to this and trying to fix the problem, right? We are fighting against this. We do have a revolution against abortion. It just dropping a bomb on Washington or bringing guns and yeah. shooting politicians is not the way to fix that. It's not going to fix that. And I think that's important when you talk about revolution. Is the revolution going to fix what you want it to fix? Like, I don't think, I think that's the biggest issue is Christians always want that memeable or that hot button topic of how are we going to fix this with a revolution? Let's march on Washington. But that's not like that's not how you fix the problems that we're dealing with today. Yeah, I mean, to, yet I don't I don't think to wrap this up. I want to say this, and this is very important. I think submitting to authority. One of the things that has driven Republicans, conservatives, I'll be honest, myself over the last four years, crazy is the misinformation about our political leaders, specifically Trump. Things that he did, never did, or maybe he said and it was misconstrued. And now I would I would ask, I would plead really with Christians in submitting to the government to be careful not to do the same thing against the left. Um, there's been so much misinformation about 
like do not my do, president because yeah, of Russia or do whatever. Biden and Harris actually stand on a Christian platform of Christian principles? I know there's arguments. I can't justify those arguments that they do at all. Like the care for the poor or whatever. I, I don't see that, but do will I submit to them? Will I seek to honor them? Will I pray for them? And will I, will, instead of spreading misinformation or potentially misinformation, Will I research it and find out, do they actually believe this? Is this actually true? I think that's another way of honoring those in authority over us. We see that even in the church. Um, Jacob talked about pastors. We see it with um, employees and employers, like where people are not going to submit to those in positions over them and they spread misinformation and it becomes very fractious in the church. It becomes very fractious in our society as one. So I think that's a another way that we as Christians, I'm not saying that we don't stand up and speak the truth and have a backbone with courage and speak out against evil in society and evil in politics, but let's make sure that what we're speaking is actually the truth and not just some fabrication or uh, exaggeration of the truth. Two things, uh, and I mentioned hypocrisy before, and I would warn my friends not to become part of it. Um, you just talked about not my president. You know you're going to hear that. Absolutely. We're going to hear that. Yeah. And yet four years ago, the same people that will now say not my president were saying, how dare you say yeah. that about my president? It's hypocrisy. Just like what happened yesterday. You're a traitor. How These could you say rioters that? and domestic terrorists, according to the media, uh, th four or five months ago, it's just protesters getting their mm. – Love word that. across. Um, so the hypocrisy from both sides, don't Absolutely. fall into it. Uh, number two is kind of what you hit on about the truth. We as a culture are so used to being spoon fed from social media and the media, which if you don't think is biased, you, we, we can <laughs> we can have another podcast on sure. that yeah. to we make will. it look the way they want it to look to cause division because division sells. People love division. We've lost the ability in general of Americans and Christians to use deductive inductive logic, to reason, to do research. We have Google at our fingertips or whatever one you want to use. We can look up recipes for a cinnamon cake. We can look up the stats from the 1973 Atlanta Braves, and you can find all that information, but nobody takes the time to look into what did this person say? What was the context? What, what, what is going on? What is the truth? And yet we just listen to whatever um, meme or a, a clip on a video or whatever the media sends us. And we're like, yeah, that's true. And then you look it up and it's not. I got people on Facebook that do it all the time and they do it from both sides, right? Yeah. Everything was Obama's fault. No matter what happened in the world, in America, it was Obama's fault. Look at what Obama did. And then you look and it's like, I don't know how you could get there. The same thing with Trump. And Trump was, he was disrespected and whatever for four years. Um, and he didn't say half the stuff he's being accused of saying. He did say a lot of stuff. I'll give you that, Peter. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, yeah, I'm not of, arguing with that. Um, but that's it. People just buy into it. Oh, he, he did this. Really? Where? Ah, that's, I heard it. Yeah. Look it up. Research it. Use your common sense. And then as Christians, push it through scripture. What's right? What's wrong? Absolutely. I think that's a wrap for today, gentlemen. Uh, let's be praying for, let's support, let's speak truth, let's stand against evil, but let's support um, and submit to our governing authorities as Paul, Peter, and Jesus would call us to do. Thanks for being on, Trill. Thanks Always for love having, having you, bro. Uh, anytime. Jacob, thanks for being on, bro. Yeah, thanks for the invite. Thanks for listening to Out of Odds. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with your friends and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you listen. 
Out of Oz is produced by Building 28 Church and Podcast Royale. You can find out more about the show and Building 28 by visiting outofozpodcast.com. New episodes drop every Monday, and you can get each one automatically by subscribing in your favorite podcast app.